We are talking about Moses here, and uh, last time, a little review here, last time, I want to click on that for me. We, there we go. We talked about Moses' faith, and, and we've been looking at the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And Moses' faith, it affected him so that the choices that he made were because of his faith and by his faith. And that should be what happens to us, too. If we truly believe and, and have given our lives to God, then it should affect the choices that we make. And that's certainly what happened with, with Moses. And, of course, the first choice is that, you know, that we follow and, and we choose to follow and serve God. That's the number one choice that we have to make. Then after that, Moses, we saw that Moses did that. He made, his, he made faith his own faith, as we saw before that, his parents' faith. And then it became his faith. He had his own faith. But he made these choices, you know, he decided, you know, I, I am not going to uh, stay in the house of Pharaoh because that's not who I am. I am a, a, a follower of Yahweh, of the Almighty God, and, and he identified himself with the people of God, and he, he rejected what the, what the world had to offer, the sin that, uh, you know, talks about pleasure of sin for a season. He rejected those things. Why? Because he had this faith. Hopefully, our faith affects how we decide, how we make choices in this life. Let's open open up to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do. If not, not, we have some on the back table for you to, to, uh, to use. If you don't have one, we'll get you one as well. But Hebrews uh, talks about this. We're going we're gonna to look on. But uh, <clears throat> in uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 26, it tells us an interesting thing. It says that he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. So he had his eyes looking ahead to what God had for him. And we know that that treasure really is God himself in heaven, the, the true promised land. Now, Moses would lead the people to the promised land. He wouldn't actually lead them in. But he led them to it. Why? Because he, he had this calling, this vision that he could see that God had called him to take the people to the promised land. So... Moses was looking ahead to that, but it's interesting. We're going to talk about what Moses could see. Now, there are basically three periods in Moses' life, right? The first period, the 40 years that he lived in Pharaoh's house, right? The second period, he had 40 years out in the desert. Now, if you had a choice... Where you would live, if I gave you that choice, would you rather live in, you know, the, the, the palace with everything you want, everything you could ever have, or out in the desert? What would your choice be? Now, your first choice, well, I'd rather be over here, but when you, when you start to evaluate, like, well, what does God, where does God want me to be? Then 
the choices become different, you see. So anyways, he was out in the desert for 40 years. It wasn't necessarily all his choice. It was God's plan, I believe. And then the last 40 years of his life, he was leading the people of Israel. So he lived to be 120. And, and uh, you know, we don't live to be 120 today. We, you know, if we're, if we're uh, in good health, we might live to about 80, right? Uh, maybe 90. So let's say a third of, of that, 30 years, then 30 years and 30 years, kind of, uh, the, you know, like the, the three different periods of Moses' life. We go through different periods in our lives. But this, this uh, life of Moses, these first, two, these first two periods, which were a total of 80 years, were really times of preparation. Times of preparation. Not necessarily always easy. Now, the first period, he was in the house of Moses, uh, the house of Pharaoh, and it says in uh, Acts chapter 7 that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was powerful in speech and action. So he, he had this education. He was trained. It was like he went to school that first period of time. But that wasn't, that wasn't all the preparation that he needed. You know, we go, we go to school, you know, 12 years, and some of us go to college, and some of us go to, you know, after, you know, uh, to different training programs and different kinds of things. But there's more than that, isn't there, in life? You know, we call it the school of hard knocks, where we have, to, we have to learn the hard way, where we have to get experience in life. We think we know it all. Moses was like that. Moses thought he knew it all when he was 40. And God said, you know what? You really don't know as much as you think you know. Desert. 40 years. So now we see Moses, you know, the first period he was there with the Pharaoh being trained, learned all kinds of stuff. But, but now God says, you're going out to the desert this period of time. But it was another step in this preparation. I think God has a school that he takes us through as his children. I do. But who would have thought? Who would have picked? Look at verse 27, Hebrews chapter 11. It says this. By faith, Moses, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That kind of sums up a really a kind of a whole 40-year period in Moses' life. This, I believe the second period, the second time period in Moses' life. The, the verse here, it tells us that it was by faith. And, and, and what was going on, the whole thing was, was by faith. There's this faith, this trust in, in the Almighty God that, that he was following after him, that he was listening to him. And it didn't make it easy. But this was part of his relationship to the Almighty God. It says there that he wasn't fearing the king's anger. Now, that's an interesting thing, and we could spend a lot of time on that, but, but Moses certainly had fears. You're going to, you know, if you read the life and the, the whole situation of Moses, you're going to see that he had fears. He had fears to speak, even though it says that he was trained how to speak, but he was fearful. He said, no, I can't, he told God at the, at the burning bush. 
But he wouldn't let these fears stop him from following and from serving the Almighty God. Matthew Henry said this, that his faith raised him above his fears. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? His faith raised him above his fears. We all have fear. They, you know, people who have looked at it, you know, they say there's 365 uh, verses in the Bible about do not fear or something very similar to that, like one for every day kind of thing. There may be more than, you know, there may be less, but the idea is that, that he talks about that a lot. So what's going to raise us above the fear that we have in our lives? It's got to be faith. It's got to be our faith. That's what kept Moses going. Look at this. It says that he persevered. Some versions say he endured. And it means to be steadfast, to be strong, to go forward. He persevered. How did he do that? What does it say here? This is very instructive. It says, because he saw him who is invisible. Like I said in the beginning, this is about seeing God. Now, it literally means seeing him who can't be seen. There's like a play on words there. Seeing him who can't be seen. And it's, a, it's in a you know, present tense means it's an ongoing thing. He didn't just see him once, but he was like, this is part of this relationship that Moses had with God, that he was seeing him. He was seeing him. Now, you say, well, did he see him, like with his eyes? Well, Paul tells, tells us in 1 Timothy that, that, the, that God is invisible. You can't just see him. But it doesn't mean that we can't see him. You know what I'm saying? Just because we can't see him with our eyes, it doesn't mean we can't see him. Now, I think, that I was thinking about this, there are some things we see with our eyes and we say, God. You look at the creation, uh, Romans, tell, uh, uh, Psalm 19 and Romans chapter 1 tell us that God, you can see him in his creation. You see him in the, in the heavens declare the glory of God. When I watch a sunrise or I watch a sunset and I see that in the, in the clouds are there and the, the colors are like so intense and beautiful, you say, this is not, how could this be? Well, it could be because of the almighty God, that's how. The New Living Translation says on this verse that he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. When we are focused on him, the Bible talks about in Hebrews as well, looking unto Jesus. When we're looking at him, looking for him, looking towards him, things are different in this life. That's how Moses kept going. That's how Moses persevered. It says in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11 that faith, and you know this verse, the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what? Things not seen. There's a a vision of faith that we can see him. Second Corinthians, Paul says this, In chapter 4, he says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Isn't that powerful? What is unseen is eternal. Are we, are we focusing on the trials and the troubles? They're, they're momentary. He says they're light and momentary. They feel like they're a long time. And, and even Moses could say the same thing, that it feels like a long, long time. He's out there and out in the wilderness, and it ends up being 40 years. But we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Fix our eyes on God, on Jesus. Peter said this, 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, Though you have not seen him, and he's talking about the eyes, the physical eyes, what? You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, you don't see him with the physical eyes, but you see him through the, the eyes of faith. And, and through that, Moses persevered. Through that, Peter tells us that we will be filled with joy. That's where joy is, by the way. It's not in the, the trials and troubles of this world, but it's in him. The psalmist, uh, excuse me, the psalmist says it too, but Paul says, rejoice where? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Where, where do we find joy? It's not just in the, the things of this world and this life. It's just not. It can't be. Moses endured. He kept going. He persevered. Why? How? Because he kept his eyes on the one who's invisible. Now, it was, a, <clears throat> it was a radical change for Moses. <clears throat> As you can imagine, you know, he was spoiled there in the palace. He had everything that he could want. And, and, and now he finds himself, he's out in the desert taking care of a few sheep. You know, we go to the, the Washington County Fair you ever go there? And they got those pins of sheep. And the sheep are like making these sounds. All different kinds of sounds. And they're loud. And, they're not, and it's not like you want to go up and cuddle with these things. You know, we get this picture of sheep. They're like all cuddly and everything. You do not want to go cuddle up with these things. And these... The ones you see in, at the fair, of course, they've washed them and given them showers and cleaned them all up and cut them and made them all pretty and everything. But when you're out in the desert taking care of sheep, it's nothing like that at all. This was a time of preparation for Moses, as I've said. He had him out there in, this, in the backside of the desert taking care of smelly Sheep. But it was preparation because he was, he was eventually going to be taking care of a lot of sheep, a whole nation full of sheep. You know, King David, he also took care of sheep too before he ever became king, right? Took care of some sheep for his dad. 
Amos the prophet says this in Amos chapter 7. He says, he said, I was not a prophet. I wasn't a prophet's son, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. It was this time of preparation for something he didn't even know. He was called to go out and speak and to, pro to be a prophet. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at a, some verses as we kind of just pull this all together here about this preparation time and what was really going on in the life of Moses. Acts chapter 7 is actually the testimony of Stephen. And if there's one thing you can say about Stephen is that he knew the word of God. He knew the scripture. And when he was being persecuted and they would eventually kill him, he, he, he went and, and he gave his testimony, but he started all the way back and gave the whole history of the nation of Israel, the whole history that, uh, of the, that the scriptures had uh, been his foundation. Look at chapter 7, verse 23. It says, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him, avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? That's what I was saying. Moses was at that, at that place where he thought he knew what he was doing. He thought... You know, he just go out there and, and do it like this and take it into his own hands. But, but the truth was, he was not given that role yet. The time wasn't right. He was still in that time of preparation. And it would be yet another 40 years when he would actually be the deliverer that he thought he was trying to be here. We see that, that he was rejected by his own people. Verse uh, 28 said it. That way, And in verse 29, it says, when, when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner, and he had two sons. And after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush. Forty years out in the desert. Forty years. You know, you go to school, I talked about this period of time when we're supposed to go to school anyways. And it seems like school will never end, right? I got to graduate, I got to 12th grade, it's, it's never ever going to end. I try to tell uh, people, young people that are, you know, in school, I said, you got to enjoy this because this is like, can be the best time of your life. But when you get out of school, then you got to face the reality. Enjoy this. Oh, I hate school. I want it to be over. Do you? And then, and, then, and then, you know, you're working out there and life is really hard. You say, I wish I was back in school. I didn't have to worry about 
you know, where my meals were coming from. I didn't have to worry about anything. But he was in this time of preparation. 40 years seems like a long time. It was really 80 years of preparation, right? Two-thirds of his life was preparation. Man. But God knew what he was doing. God knew. God had to kind of, you know, kind of shape Moses, right? He had to kind of break him of some of his things. And, and some of the things still got him in trouble. And that's why I said he, he didn't go into the promised land. He got to take them right up to the edge of the promised land. He didn't go in. Why? Because his, his anger overtook a situation. God said, you know, I didn't mean he wasn't going to heaven because he definitely went to heaven. You see him later on at the Mount of Transfiguration, right, with, with Jesus and uh, Elijah But it was this time of preparation for this guy Moses. I wonder how much we understand the preparation that God has for you and me, the times of preparation. Like, what is he doing? What does he want to do with me? We want to get to the finish line. We want to get to the the finished product. But God says, you know, you're not ready. You're not ready for that. I still want you to... You know, I still have some work that, you know, that the, the potter and the clay, I still want to form your life. And we say, well, yeah, but, but I'm getting old now, and I, I don't know if I can, you know. And he says, you know what, I, I know all about that. Do you think that, you know, because you're getting older, you can't do anything? That's a lie. That's a lie. And even, and even if you get to the place where physically you can't do anything, can you still do anything? Absolutely, you can pray, you can encourage, you can write, you can do... There's so many things we can still do. The different stages of our lives, the different times of preparation. I mean, he, he goes out there to the desert, what happens, you know... Let's jump back to chapter 2, because this is kind of interesting. Chapter 2 of Exodus, and we'll, we'll finish over there. Chapter 2 of Exodus, so we, we see the book of Hebrews, we see the book of Acts, and now we, we're going back to the book of Exodus. Chapter 2, verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters. Oh, man. And they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Again, there's, this is the sheep that Moses ends up taking care of. And some shepherds came along and they drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. Moses kind of, you know, he's got this thing in him where he wants to get out and do stuff. And, and he sees these, you know, these, these women in trouble. And so he gets in there and helps them. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? And they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. Notice he, he, he still kind of looked Egyptian. The way he looked, they thought he was an Egyptian. They said he even drew water for us and he watered the flock. And where is he? 
he asked his daughters, why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Invite him to the potluck. Where is he? Like, what were you, what were you thinking? Why didn't you invite him home? He helped you out. Verse 21, Moses agreed. So obviously they brought him back. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. He, agree, uh, he agrees to stay there uh, with this man, and, and the man gives him a daughter to be his wife. So this is part of his preparation. He now is married. we got a marriage coming up soon. And then he has two sons. This is all part of the preparation. He has to learn, you know, about what that's all about. And, and, and it's part of this preparation in his life. This time of preparation. In the meanwhile, though, God hadn't forgotten his people. Look at verse 23. During that time, that long period, how long was it? How long? 40 years. 40 years. During that long period, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God looked, and he was concerned about them. See, God cared. And God certainly had a plan, and God would help them. He had this guy over in the desert. He had the people of Israel, you know, in bondage and slavery in Egypt. And, but he was working it out, but it was going to take time. We want, we, we've been trained this way, we want things now. We want them immediately. But what does 1 Corinthians 13 say about love? Love is patient. Love is patient. God is patient. God knows the right time, and he hears our cries too, and he, he knows about us. He cares about us. He cares about you. He's going to help you. Warren Wiersbe said, it seemed that God was doing nothing, yet he heard the groans of his people, and he was waiting for the right time. Moses, he was getting him ready. And he would bring Moses to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel, to bring them out of Egypt into the promised land. Someone pointed this out as well, that Moses was being faithful with a few sheep. He was out there, and maybe he didn't like it or whatever, but he was being faithful with it. And that's certainly a principle in Scripture, that for us to be faithful with the small things, Oh, but I wish I could be this and wish I could do that. Be faithful with the small things, the little thing that God puts in front of you. That's where you need to be faithful. So he endured, Moses did, because he saw him who is invisible. Pastor Chuck said, when I can see God, I can endure. 
Matthew Henry, another old guy, said this, that he is invisible, that is God. And by faith we see him. And this enables us to endure to the Enid. Oh. I'm going to have to talk to my secretary. Oh, yeah, I don't have one. There was something about Moses. You know, we talked about him being able to see. But there was something about this in his relationship with God, you see, that, that, he, would, that he would see, that, that he would look. He was looking ahead to the reward. He saw him who is invisible. Something about this relationship with Moses. And I think we need to, to think about this and emulate it in our lives that, God, I want to see you. Like we sang that song, Lord, I want to see you. Not with our eyes, but with our hearts, with our faith. Exodus 33, I'll just sum it up for you, is that when, when Moses, he would go to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, he would go, and the people, they, they would watch him. And he would go in there. But it says that Moses, when he went into the tent, the, the, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and they worshiped, each at the entrance to his tent. So Moses has gone you know, like into this tent, the cloud, had, uh, you know, the glory of God had come down. But notice this, it says in verse 11 of Exodus 33, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. It says he spoke to him face to face. He was like looking at him and, and God was looking at him. Now, did he see God? No, he didn't. There was a point in time when Moses' life, you know, God says, show me your glory. And, and God says, you know, I'll let you see part of it because you can't look at my face and see me with your eyes and live. But God showed him his glory. When he would come out of the tent, it, said, it would say that, that his face was like glowing because he was spending the time. And then it, I just read about Joshua. Moses would actually leave and go out of the tent and Joshua would actually stay there. So Joshua kind of picked it up from Moses that spend time with God and, and see what it does for your life. See what it does for actually for your face. I read this verse this morning in Psalm 34, verse 5. It says, those who look to him are radiant. Those who look to him are radiant. That's incredible. Where are we looking? Or what are we looking at? In, in Numbers chapter 12, it says this. God speaking about Moses, he says, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So he didn't actually see his, the, the clear face, but he, but he saw the form. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, right? We see now like, there's different verses, uh, translations, you know, some say like in a mirror darkly. Some say like, uh, you know, just a, a 
vision of what it might be, but it's not clear. But then he goes on to say that we will see him face to face where it will all become clear. And we'll know him like he knows us. But for now, but for now, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you in my life. I want to see you in this world. I want to see you in my daily walk. That's what Moses had. That's what you and I need. That's what I want. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we pray, and I think most of the time, unless we're driving, we close our eyes, our physical eyes. Why? So we can focus on you and see you. We look to you, we become radiant. Moses showed us that. We see it in his life. Through all the hard times, he he was able to persevere because he saw you through the eyes of faith. He took time to spend with you. Maybe it was in those quiet times out on the out on the hills and with the sheep and no one else around and he would talk and spend time with you. Lord, we need that in our lives too, that those quiet times, those times of fellowship with you, those times of in your word talking to you, listening to you.